Welcome to the Messy Middle Podcast that follows one mom's journey to build a profitable business while navigating the challenges of life. I'm your hostess, Anita Anello, and I'm here to share wisdom, insights, and stories that will empower you to make confident decisions, take actionable steps, and break through the mental barriers that hold you back. Hey, everybody, this is Anita Anello, and thank you for joining us for another episode of the podcast, The Messy Middle, One Mom's Journey to Build a Profitable Business. I have my good friend, Joe Pomeroy, with me, and he is one of, he's probably like in the top five to 10 most respected people that I know. He's been a great friend of mine for many years. My husband and I just know and love him, and we've come alongside him as we have been building businesses. Joe is building a movement called Family Builders, and we'll touch on that a little bit as we get into this episode. And he focuses on helping couples and families build strong values, just in a little bit of a world of chaos. And again, I'll have him elaborate that. He also comes to us having won International Entrepreneurial Awards and helping build an eight-figure business that started from nothing. So welcome, Joe. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you, Nina. I'm so excited to be here. You and I always have amazing conversations, so it's about time we just hit record. No kidding. No kidding. We always do. So we did do that a little bit before we started. We started talking a little bit today in one of the topics that we just want to start with and see where the conversation goes and flows is we want to talk about really as we build our businesses and entrepreneurs, and specifically when we move from the corporate space, because you and I both have experience of that being successful in the corporate space and transitioning into the entrepreneurial world. There's a couple of things that are really important to, to me and to us and to the audience. And some of those things are, is how do we transition from a, a full-time corporate job and the income, usually the pretty healthy income that comes from that and transitioning over to the entrepreneurial space. The other thing is that's important is not losing our spouses or our children along the way. And so Let's just start there, Joe. What do you think? What do you, what do you want to bring to the table today to just start by encouraging our audience and, and then we'll break it down? Yeah, absolutely. It, it's interesting. We talk about this mindset concept of what it is to be in the corporate world versus being an entrepreneur. And I think the most successful individuals in the corporate world, they already have an entrepreneur mindset. They just don't realize it. And so it, it, it was interesting when I think about what I did in my corporate career, I was one of three individuals that started a company from zero. It was that literally at nothing? Uh, we thought we were going to be able to transfer some previous clientele in from the company that we were coming from, but none of that worked out. So we write at zero. And the innovation, the work ethic, the dedication, the vision, all those things were already present. Like they have to be able to build something to be able to succeed in corporate world, especially when you're at a C level or frankly, any level, if you're wanting to move up and to be able to say, okay, here's where I am. That's where I want to be. How do I hit these goals? How do I hit those targets? And that's exactly what you're doing as an entrepreneur. And so I think there, there's a fallacy that comes in uh, that says, oh, it's different. Mm. Right. Yeah, that's good. We talk a lot on the show about my belief is that actually I can be an entrepreneur and have an entrepreneur mindset regardless of how I get paid. So I could be a W-2 contractor. I can have an S-corp. It doesn't, to me, it actually doesn't really matter any longer. I used to really silo it out and think that it was one or the other. But being an entrepreneur means you're a creative problem solver. It means that you know how to set goals and achieve those goals. It means that you know how to go after the success, the success that God's placed inside of you. Like it means you know how to be a leader with integrity. It no- means that you know how to do all these kinds of things. And so it is transferable. Now, what about when somebody wants or has tr- tr- started to transfer, have the idea to transfer that skill set, and all of a sudden they run into maybe the anxiety and fears that might go along with that? Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, that's true. How many times, Anita, have you been told, oh, you're an entrepreneur? That must be scary. <laughs> have you ever heard that? Thanks. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's what goes <laughs> out in your mind. <laughs> and, yeah, it goes on in your mind. But here's the ironic part. So in this corporate position that I was in, and I'm not throwing shade on anybody, I'm just going to tell it like it is. So it started me and two other people. And one of the people was my my best friend at the time. 
And I actually was very good friends with both of the other people that we were building it with. And so we build up this company and it grows from nothing and I'm in a top leadership position. And so here I am, I've been there for 10 years that I've been working there. We're an eight figure company. I've got a very strong six figure income. The owner of the company is my best friend. And so this is secure. This is Mm, safe, right? And yet it wasn't. Because as his perspective changed, there was a lot of really interesting things going on. Almost the sense of, hey, he it was like he knew how great I was before I knew how great mm-hmm. I was. And say, hey, we're going to take all your innovation, all your ideas, and we're going to keep them stifled so you don't realize that you can be this. And, and actually, it got pretty messy. He and his new wife um, developed a, a polyamorous relationship with someone that was on my team. And... It, they were looking to replace mm, me with yeah. her. So a takeover And yet I'm supposed to be secure. Yeah. yeah. And and yet there's this whole facade of security in the corporate world that, oh, nothing's going to happen. He's my best mm. friend. Oh, nothing's going to happen. I've been here from yeah. the beginning. Oh, nothing's going to happen. I provide so much mm. value. And yet behind the scenes, you never know what's going to happen. True. Yeah. And, and so this idea that it's scary, that th- there's this fear. I think the only reason that it really feels scary is because we think, oh, the buck stops here. Mm-hmm. Anything and everything that goes wrong is my fault. Guess what? Anything and everything that goes right is also can be a credit to you. But the fact is, and I think the greatest help for me in mindset and being an entrepreneur and making that transition has been in recognizing that it's a process and it's a journey, that there is no failure. There's just discovery. Yeah. And that was the same thing in my corporate world. Okay, I've got these employees. I need to get them trained. Here's a training we put together. Wow, that didn't go right. (laughs) Or they didn't take from that training what I needed them to. Or nobody's implementing. Oh, I'm a failure, Anita. Why did I ever think I could do this entrepreneur thing? And I should go back. I should have stayed in my corporate. No, you just go, okay. In the corporate world, you go, okay, so that didn't work. Let's evaluate. Why didn't that work? What elements of it did work? Let's do more of what did, less of what didn't. Let's try again. Same idea. Yeah. Isn't it so interesting? You can We can even expound on really what we're talking about in the corporate space are the risks that it feels safe because, and I worked for one of the, like a global software company as an executive director. So there was also that sense of it feels safe because that company's not going anywhere. Yeah, but then- What do you do when you have a boss that comes in that's a jerk? That happens. What do you do when the company shifts goals and takes off and now the AI space and you don't know anything about AI and you don't want to learn, you're a little bit older in your career, all these elements. And so it's really an interesting dynamic. I would say I've come to see how if all of my income and all of my livelihood is then now tied to one paycheck, one company, one income stream, then actually I'm less comfortable with that than I used to be. I'm not knocking it. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just not comfortable for me anymore because the framework that I have now in my mind is that is more risky than having lots of clients that I can serve and bring value to lots of different kinds of clients. Now, some might hear that and they all of a sudden that's, that sounds scary. I don't want to do that. And that's okay. Again, you, you be where you're at. It's totally fine. But for those that really want to start to make that transition, let's talk about some of the next steps that you would see in helping somebody. So we talked a little bit about mindset, but maybe like practically. So my sweet spot audience and those that listen to me the most are those successful corporate women of faith that really want to build a consulting business around what I call their specialized knowledge. So something that they're really good at, they do better than anybody else, and they want to be able to connect with other people based on the relationships they have. So what would be maybe some next steps that you would recommend for somebody that's listening today? Absolutely. The first next step is start conversations. Mm-hmm. That's the, I, I think what happens is we're in the corporate world and we do the people listening to your podcast, you're all already doing consulting right. in your current mm-hmm. positions. And so they're already doing consulting. They're already having conversations, already providing high value. But just to touch on mindset again, real quick, it's under the umbrella of the company That's name. Right. 
And that's the only reason people listen to me. It's not. Yeah. It's really not. Because how many other people under the umbrella of that company name are not giving them the kind of value that you're giving them? And so usually it's just a matter of people wanting to know where can I access the value that you're providing? And you can't do that if you're sitting at your computer at home going, man, it'd be great if I had a client. Man, it'd be great if I could start Mm -hmm. doing this. And so really it's about having conversations. And so looking at your list of prospects and everybody has a list. You have a list in your phone. That's a list of people that are giving you permission Mm -hmm. to call them. You have a list, whatever emails you send. Maybe you had a kid that recently got married and you collected a whole bunch of emails. Guess what? Every one of those emails said, hey, I care about you enough that I want information on your child that's getting married. You think they'd be ticked off if they got an email that said, hey, I've been doing this, but I want to start something independent because I really feel like God's calling me to do this. And it doesn't, It so frankly, it doesn't matter what that is. Anita, I know you talk about a God-sized yeah. calling. I was having a conversation with some some other friends of ours, Brian and Wells mm-hmm. Wotalski, and they do social media, they do media editing posts and things like that. And for them, that's their God-sized calling because they believe that, hey, there are so many valuable voices out there and my God-sized calling is to help them get their messages right. heard. Oh, but scheduling social media posts, how can that be? No, it. Yeah. but it is. So it's whatever that somebody is doing, they've got that opportunity. And so- That next step would be who's in your phone that you can send a text message to that you can say, hey, or that you give a, frankly, be better if you call them, but you give a phone call and you say, hey, how are you doing? What's going on? You start a conversation and then you go, hey, I have this thing. Apparently I say, hey, a lot. (laughs) Hey, I have this thing that I'm looking at doing where I've been working for this company. I want to start doing things more on my own using this expertise what do you what are your thoughts about that? What advice would you give me? Who do you know that might be interested in that? Okay, Joe, I heard two things that you were talking about and I want to break those down a little bit further. Number one, you were talking about describing a service that let's say I'm your I'm going to be your client or you're coaching me. What I heard you say is I have a skill set that it can turn into a service that I can provide for somebody else, but I can also have a service that's like an ancillary service to other business owners to other entrepreneurs. And those are actually, there's two similar paths, but different paths all at the same time. There's space for all of that. Like I used to have an Amazon business. And so as a seller, there's been all in the last 15, 10 to 15 years, pretty actively, there's been all these businesses that have cropped up around Amazon sellers because we as sellers need people to receive our inventory and pack it and pick it, all this kind of stuff. Like I love, love, love that idea that you can start a service that's all based on you and your persona and your skill set that you're bringing to the marketplace where you're customer facing or you come alongside others and that's your service and you help them. But so both of them are amazing. Like we all need everybody to come to the marketplace with all those different kinds of services. And I would a hundred percent agree with you that those are all God sized dreams. And The God-sized dreams, like you guys know that listen to the podcast, I'm always going to put stuff in the framework of God. And Joe and I have that similarity. We're going to talk about that together. But if that's not where you're coming from, just that's totally okay. I just want you to know if you're listening for the first time today, just however you frame your life, just go ahead and just be right where you're at. I'm just always going to put stuff in the context of this is what God has called me to do. So if I have this idea, this dream, sometimes I've had it from maybe from the time I was a little bit, a little girl, I wanted to be able to own my own business. Or maybe throughout my career, I decided, you know what? I'm actually really good at this. I could go and have more time freedom and more money freedom. I know for a lot of us as moms or parents that have young kids, both of those things are actually super important to us, not just the money freedom, because you may have that in your successful corporate career now, but what about the time freedom? And so maybe Joe, let's touch on that a little bit. Like you and I know we have this very similar idea that our our framework is this, and I'll just put it in my language, is that God's super important in my life, then my marriage comes next, and then my kids comes third, and everybody else comes after that. That's Those are my priorities. 
And so as we're building businesses and growing businesses and helping others do the same, I I don't want to lose those things along the way. It's not, by the way, I did that in my corporate career and it was, I just found myself to be at a time where I was super unhappy, even though I had a lot of the kind of quote unquote stuff around me. So let's talk about that a little bit is how do you maintain the integrity of the relationships around you while you're going after this thing? Because we know as entrepreneurs, you have the, let's just pretend if you're in the corporate space, you work a 40 hour, that's not probably accurate for anybody who's listening, but let's just pretend (laughs) that you have a 40 hour work week. And then all of a sudden you step into the entrepreneur space and very quickly you can work like a hundred hours in no time flat. So let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about having that balance and the priorities and the mindset around not pushing yourself so hard that you lose some, something along the way, someone, something, anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a roundabout yep. answer if that's I love okay. That. But we'll I love get that there, about I you. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. So there's this huge emphasis on if God is a part of your life, then you've likely gone to church and done Sunday worship, maybe done some Bible study in your home and spent time. And so there's this amount of time invested in learning how to connect with God. Mm-hmm. Right now, if you're successful in your corporate career, how much time did you spend to get a degree? Maybe you've got a master's like I do. And so I, between my marketing degree and my strategic business master's, at least six years that I invested in learning and understanding how to succeed in business. When you got married, How many books did you read? How many, did you put six years of intense study and writing essays and papers and theses and all this and being critiqued and graded and I investing hundreds of thousands of dollars into tuition about your marriage? We don't do that. (laughs) And yet somehow we think that family's just always going to be Mm. there. Oh, it just Mm -hmm. is you know what? I understand business and I'm good at business. And this, Anita, this is exactly where I was at. I understood business. I was good at business. Of course I was. I'd spent not only six years doing it, but several years in an industry before branching out and starting helping to start a business from mm-hmm. scratch. And then I had another 10 years in that industry to develop that. I hadn't made any kind of near that investment in mm, my family. Yeah. But I always just assumed blood's thicker than water and families are just meant to be together and they're just there when you come home. It's just how it is. Oh, I keep in contact because we're family. Oh, yeah, I don't really get along with my dad, but we're family. So I guess I'll still go there for the holidays. We just, it's just what family is. So if you want to know how do you make sure that whatever path you take, because you could stay in your corporate career, Anita, you're in your corporate career. You're doing all things corporate. You had all the stuff. You weren't happy. How much of your family did you feel like you had at that time? And yet there's this idea when we're already missing that, there's this idea that, oh, but if I switch and become an entrepreneur, then I'm really going to lie. So in, in business, there's so much in business that's about setting goals, having a business plan, having your quarterly targets, your big rocks, your daily tactics. There's all this planning and goal setting that comes up with business so that we can succeed. We can know when we're on track. We can know when we need to pivot, make adjustments, or do those different things. Why not do that with family? Why not take the same principles that apply to succeeding in business and direct them at your family? Because here's the big secret. Truth transfers across all platforms. It doesn't matter if my platform or my element is business. If there is truth in that leads to good, or there's also truth that leads to bad. If I'm going to lie, if I'm going to cut corners, if I'm going to cheat, if I'm going to tell people one thing and then do something different, there's also truth in that, that if I do these negative things, it's going to lead to unhealthy results. Any truth that's going to apply, if it applies in business, it applies to business. If it applies, and then it will also apply to health and it will also apply to family and it'll also apply to spiritual elements Mm, as well. Yeah, that's good. And you just need to know how to translate Mm. that. Okay. So what do you do if you have, if you're the planner, but you have a spouse that's not a planner? 
So now you're trying to take no <laughs> fire them. So no. now you're trying to take your the planning side of you that has been helped you to be super successful in the corporate space and then shift gears and say, "Okay, honey, here's what we're going to do. Here's the plan for our finances, here's the plan for our family, here's the plan for our marriage." Like, how do you translate that? My husband, he's amazing. He's has one of the biggest personalities on the planet. He loves to have fun. Vince will walk into a room and he'll know everybody in a couple minutes because that's just the kind of guy he is. So in a real practical sense, we laugh and I've had to figure out ways to speak his language when it comes to planning because I'm like the uber planner. I love, love planning, but Vince does not. So let's talk about that a little bit. What are some of the tactics that you can help somebody who might be married to somebody who's not a planner. First of all, I think that's fantastic because then that means you both have different mm-hmm. strengths that can complement each other. Again, just like in a workplace. And how often, I would imagine that everybody listening, myself, you included, have had employees that don't want to do the things that we want them to do. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and being a leader doesn't mean you go, Look, you can either do what I tell you to do or you're fired. That's not what a leader right. does because it's going to create all kinds of other issues that you're then going to have to deal with. And if nothing else, you'll forever have to micromanage that right. individual for as long as right. they're there and they're going to resent what they do. They're going to do the bare minimum. So you don't do that. So what would you do in the workplace if you had an employee that maybe they were really good at some areas of their job? But this idea of setting goals and working a plan and checking in wasn't their forte. What would you do? So I I would start with thinking about that. Like, how would I handle this if this was an employee that I wanted to, that I could see the potential in and I wanted them to rise to that potential? How can I encourage that out of them? And I'll tell you, it's never going to happen if I, to quote, how you just presented it. And I don't believe that you would actually do this in real life, but to come up and go, Okay, sweetie, here's the plan. Here's our budget. Here, I have decided all of these things for us. Yay, me. Right? We, it's not going to work. Okay. Even in business, it doesn't work. I've had uh, business leaders who come in and say, All right, team, this is what we're doing this year. And then we're all left scrambling, trying to figure out how we can attach ourselves to that vision, how Mm, we can move forward in whatever it is that they're thinking to do. And it's a scramble as opposed to a real leader that comes in and says, Hey, I have an idea. How do you think we can make Mm, this work? That's good. Yeah. So if you were to go to, if you were to go to Vince and say, Hey, I really want to create a vision of what this next year is going to look like Mm -hmm. for us. And we don't have to plan all, all the details, but I want to get some of these big things because I want to make sure that we're doing what's most important to us. So what are some things? And at first, would you be willing to do that with me? Okay. You're getting permission. You're getting an agreement to say, yes, I will do that. It gets you your first yes. They're also on board. Now they're doing it. Now Vince is doing it of his own free will and choice as opposed to, oh, I was actually about to go hang out with some of my guys. And now you're suddenly dropping this on me and I don't really know. So there's a pattern, right? Extend the invitation, schedule a time to sit down, give some questions, some ideas. By the way, this is all available. I've got a gift for your audience and I'll give you the that at the end of the session, but there's a path, a pattern that you can follow for this, but it's very, it's an invitation. And if somebody refuses the invitation, if it's your spouse, you can't fire him, but you go through, you start doing it anyway, and you start applying the steps anyway. And your spouse who loves you or who wants to love you, if nothing else, because they're still in that relationship with you, will begin to see the changes. And as the invitations are extended, especially when an invitation is extended, where you communicate the value that you hope to receive from them. Okay. The value that, that they bring. Hey, Vince, you're my husband. So we need to be in on this together. It's important for us. We're husband and wife. We need to do this together. doesn't go so well as Vince. I, your way to see life is so big and so bright. It helps me to see things that I wouldn't otherwise Mm, see. Yeah. And so I really would love to do this together because everything that I want involves Mm. you. 
Is that something you'd be willing to do with me? Maybe we could set aside some time on Sunday morning. Not so good. Yeah. And I will just say, just transparently, I would say in our marriage, we've done all of those things. I've done it where it's not been super successful. And I'll just say this to speak to some of the ladies in the audience. Having come from a corporate space as a executive level who had a team under her, then trying to transition to home life and giving direction all day long and then coming home and trying to give direction to my husband was completely disastrous to his credit. He was very, always very patient with me. But what I needed to do is learn how to respect his opinion and respect that I had an opinion and we were coming together and come full circle. Now I can look at Vince. My trigger word is, Hey, I have an idea. And he will right off the bat. (laughs) He'll be like, okay, what do you got? It used to terrify him when I would say, Hey, I have an idea because that meant I had some crazy idea that was going to take us way over in a different direction. It was usually going to be like bigger than he could even frame sometimes in his own mind and his own mindset based on his family experiences and all this kind of stuff. Now, we can come to the table and go, babe, I have an idea. Okay. And that's all he says first. Like it's the basis of our conversation. I'm like, I love that about you because you, he's able to embrace that I have these big ideas that I know that we're going to be able to map out a plan to. And then he also has my respect and has a space in that conversation because he can bring his value and his viewpoint and all that kind of stuff to the conversation as well. And so that's been a journey for us. We have learned how to do that. We didn't, I'm, I admit, I did not do that amazingly early on in our marriage, just from where we both came to the table. And we've known each other for 20 years. So it's been a process. I will also say that, especially for somebody and any of us as women that have real strong personalities. Now, my husband has an equally strong personality. And so sometimes we would butt heads on stuff, but you know what? About 10 years in, I learned, wow, it's not that we're so different. We actually complement one another and God's brought us together. And so instead of having these polar opposite ideas, like all the way over here, all the way over here, what I notice is that when Vince and I come together on anything, and so hopefully as a way of encouragement to somebody who's listening today, when we are so different in our viewpoints, but then we come together on an idea or a project or a plan, we can do something so much more amazing together than either of us could do on our own. And that seeing that and embracing that and leaning into that has been, I'll just say it's been super sanctifying to me and amazing all at the same time. So I just want to encourage any men or women who are listening today, like what Joe and I are talking about today of coming to the table, respecting each spouse, both husband and wife, and saying, let's do some of these things together. Let's figure out what you're really good at and what your ideas are, and let's figure out what the path is together. And it can be anything. It can be, where do we go to church? Where do we go on vacation? How do we raise the kids? What are our value systems? What do we do for work? Is one person maybe going to keep their corporate job while the other one tries to start down the entrepreneur. By the way, it is a journey. We'd like, we always want to be super clear on that. It's a journey. While you can have a revenue event that happens just like that, it's oftentimes a lot of years in the making. So I just want to encourage you to keep going on that journey. So Joe, what else do, do we want to talk about a little bit? We had touched on earlier when we were getting ready. Yes. I want to comment on a couple oh, things you just it. said. First of all, before we get too far into this, if y'all are watching a video of this, you would have seen it. If you're just listening on the radio, when Anita, you started to say super sanctified, like you got like this little swagger. I genuinely thought you were going to say super sexy or something, just the attitude you were putting into it. But here's the funny thing. It is super sexy. When you and your spouse are able to to talk to the, my wife will come in. My wife hates doing budgets, hate, hated doing that. And when we were first married, I was like, we have to have a budget. And she'd come in and be like, all right, so I got the updated, uh, I got the budget updated and I got this. And I'd be like, you are so right now. That's it. Because it's speaking this language. It's being united. Yeah. It's that unity, that connection and, and, and unity and connection. Those are elements of sanctification, yeah. but it, it, it as a uh, intimacy between spouses, like it was sexy. It's sexy to be on the same page. It makes me feel drawn and attracted yes. to her. But you also brought up an interesting point 
within that is, is there is an element of translation, what to do and how you do it at work. You can find those true principles and then translate them from business into family and how your family grows and develops. But there is an element of translation. And there's really two ways to figure that out. One is trial and error, which is what I did. And it takes a lot longer. The other one is to find somebody that knows how to do that and that can guide you through it. And that's if they turn to you for coaching. I know you are stellar at that. There's things that they can check out with me. There's been, there's a lot of other people out there. One of the things that had come up as well in this translation process is there's a difference between coming and saying, I have an idea, right? And there, there was trust that was built, right? The idea of, I have an idea, the more you can communicate up front what you need from your spouse with that trigger phrase, whatever it happens to be. So for you, it's, I have an idea. And then immediately, like if my wife, Shawnee comes and says that to me, then I'm like, what, how much is this going to cost? What does she need for me? How much time I've got to finish this one thing? Like I'm starting thinking about what does she need mm-hmm. from me? And I don't know. And so the mind races through, we've been married over 13 years now at this point. And so it races through 13 years of stories that I've created about what it might mean. And then it goes back in however many years before that, about when my parents came up and said, Hey, Joe, I need, need you to do something. And I'm going, Oh, but I want to watch my show or whatever it happens to be. Yeah. So if we can communicate up, here, here's a way to skip ahead. So it, when you come up and say, I have an idea and Vince goes, Oh crap. What is that going to be? Versus now you say, I have an idea and he goes, cool. What is it? Because he's learned to trust that. So if you don't have that yet, for those that don't have that yet in their relationship, you come in and say, Hey, Whatever it is you're going to say, however it is that you start, I have an idea. I'm hoping that you'll spend a few minutes to listen and then give me any feedback on, give me feedback on what you think, whether or not this is something that you'd be interested in doing so that we can have a conversation Mm -hmm. about it. And I'd really start with that so that they're part of the best. It's very different when I go to my wife and I go, hey, I have an idea, Shawnee, and I need you to do this and this, and then I'm going to do this and that, and we'll get our kids to do these different things, and it's going to take this long, and this is how it's going to end up, and it's going to be awesome. And she's going, I'm sorry, you said you had an idea? Like what? Instead, you come and say, hey, I have an idea. Do you have some time? I would love your feedback. I'd love to sit down. I really want to talk about this and see if this is even realistic or something that you'd want to do. And now it's a conversation. Yeah. Now you're partners. Now you're equals. This is how you transition into being an entrepreneur and to keep your family secure. Because Anita, that's what you yeah. brought up a lot earlier was, hey, if I transition and I worry, and I'm going to go from quote unquote 40 hours to a hundred hours as an entrepreneur. And what if I'm going to lose my family along the way? And you become intentional about it. You have a plan you involve your spouse as a partner with you. And and my wife does not enjoy the business stuff. And so I've got my people that I talk business to and she gets, I'll come down and be like, Shade, I want to share something and it's just good news. I just want you to celebrate with me. That's, and she's, oh, okay. Cause if I come down and go, oh, Shade, I need to share something. She's, oh, so you expect me to absorb all this, to process all this? Cause she's amazing at what she does, but she does not enjoy discussing business. And so there's all these, but she's still my partner in it right? She's still my partner in it because I'm communicating this life is not one dimensional. Life is about integration. Life is three dimensional. Life is how do I incorporate all the different pieces of who I desire to be and who I desire to become into one collective whole. And I'll tell you, if you want a way to get rid of fear of transition, fear of producing some God-sized purpose or for those that you can, if God's not your thing, it can just be some life altering Mm -hmm. purpose or some life fulfilling purpose, whatever it is for you. You do that by remembering your why, by remembering it's about who you're going to become and why you want to become that. And then you get the right support around you. And it is in the journey together that you find peace because we think we have that in the corporate Mm -hmm. world. I'm surrounded by colleagues. I'm surrounded by coworkers. And that's what gives this false sense of security. 
because we're around other people, then, and if I'm an entrepreneur, then suddenly I'm flying solo. No, you're not. I mean, Nita, you and I have been good friends for several years yep. now. Your husband and I have gotten to know each We're now part of that support system. And we had a conversation it was a week ago, yeah, two weeks week. ago, where it was just, mm-hmm. hey, yeah, last week. Hey, how mm-hmm. are you doing? Let's yeah. chat. You had a launch or something. I asked you how that was going and we just connected and we talked about it and everything that we talked about it benefited and blessed me because it supported me and what I've got going on. And so you're not alone when you become an entrepreneur, unless you choose to be. One of the things that I'm also hearing as you're talking, and I'd like to dive in even a little bit deeper is this idea that when we share what's going on with our spouse and that the dreams that we have, the vision that we have, the steps that we're taking to the extent that they can uh, take it in, by the way, that actually creates a whole different level of intimacy than just trying to do it all on our own or always going to other resources outside of our spouse. And as as I have shared more of my entrepreneurial journey with my husband, it's created more intimacy and Please let's, let me define intimacy if somebody's getting weird on that or whatever. Intimacy is I can have intimacy and not in a sexual way with people all around me. It's about sharing who I truly am. That's where intimacy starts. So in the marriage context, by the way, if you're not familiar with this, intimacy also starts in the morning when you get up and when you bring your spouse coffee and when you tell them about your day and all these kinds of things. It's a bigger topic, maybe not necessarily for this podcast right this second. But when I do share those kinds of things that are going on, when I share my hopes, my dreams, my fears, my visions, my worries, when I share what I think I'm going to do inside of my business and my budget, if that's something that Vince wants to hear, when I do share and talk about and actually get feedback and allow him to speak into those things. And sometimes he's, hun, you're amazing. Keep going. You're doing an awesome job. Other times he's, hey, babe, it seems like you're doing too much. Maybe like he, he has a really good sense of when I'm overloading myself because I have a tendency to do that. I'm super task driven. On the disc personality profile, I'm a high D. I love doing tasks, all that kind of stuff. And, but Vince has a really, he has an excellent sense of watching what I'm doing, what I'm listening to what I'm saying and watching my facial expression and saying things like, babe, I think you have too much going on. And so that's also intimacy for us. And it, it creates trust as I'm on the journey of being an entrepreneur. And our family is then therefore on a journey of being an entrepreneurial family. Then it, the more that we talk about it, the more that we break that down, the more that we share it with our kids so that they can learn what it's like to be an entrepreneur and a healthy entrepreneur and, and then get feedback. We talk about it over the dinner table. So it builds actually intimacy for us as a family. It builds connection for us as a family. It also builds a lot of trust. So that we have the honesty and the integrity and the trust that says, hey, I'm thinking about investing over here in this high ticket coaching offer. What do you think about that? In our household, the, our finances and the businesses and in our personal stuff are always kept separate on purpose. It's just a help. We just find that to be a healthy way to operate so that there's no surprises. In other words, on our personal checking account all of a sudden, but that's created such trust in our household and it resonates everywhere. Like Vince and I can have that conversation as husband and wife and it just trickles down and our kids observe us having those kinds of conversations and it actually settles them down. So instead of having everything kind of siloed and quiet and not talked about or fought about, because let's be clear, sometimes the, sometimes one of the spouses is not like the idea of entrepreneurship just so freaks them out that it causes such anxiety that then all of a sudden there's like these battles and these arguments going on. And and if you're at that spot, I'm so sorry, but I would say, talk about that a little bit, figure some of those things out a little bit. If you're the breadwinner of the household and you want to be the one to transition over to build a business create a plan that your spouse can see and then check in with them on a regular basis so that they can see the markers of your progress so that they're involved in the journey, especially if there's one spouse that's staying at home with the kids and one spouse that's the one that's the primary breadwinner. 
communicate those kinds of things because we all have different needs in our marriage. I have different sets of needs that make me feel safe and secure that are very different than my husband's. And so we've learned to really communicate those things. So I would say uh, on the journey, um, communicating with my spouse by helping him to see what's going on. Now, let's be clear. Sometimes I might share things with Vince that he gives me feedback that I'm not super crazy about, but I still listen. I still take it in. I still say, oh, I can understand how you could say that. I might think in my mind, he doesn't know what he's talking about. But then I might process it a little bit and 24 hours later going, yeah, actually, that is a pretty good idea. Okay, (laughs) I'll do something like that. But see, what I'm talking about is we've created this environment where it's safe. It's safe to talk about what's going on in all these areas of our life. There isn't one area that's separate or siloed from the others. And that has created an environment where I'm telling you guys, I live with the biggest group of cheerleaders for me personally on the planet right here in my own house. And I love that. I love that. I love that they can write me little love notes that say, mom, you're doing a great job. Keep going. Mom, I can see you're working really hard. Thank you. Babe, you're, you're awesome at what you do. I overheard you on a podcast and it was so helpful to so many people. Keep telling your story because it's making an impact. So what about you, Joe? How do you like to, what's your take on some of that? I, lo- I love that. I was thinking about my, I actually came into my computer and there were little hearts <laughs> in, in my office and there were little hearts and it, little love yes. notes. And uh, the one that my daughter had written me was, she said, I know you're doing great things in your business and stuff like that. And she also, so she created, this is a um, nine-year-old, oh, yeah. I'm holding up a little, it's a little booklet that she created out of scrapbook paper and wrote on it, it's positive things to do. And she just got like step-by-step, step, slow down, t- take a deep breath, tell yourself a good thing about you. And she made this because of a YouTube mm-hmm. video that I had created. <laughs> and she was like, oh, I like that. And so it's these areas that are so intersected that we don't realize even have that. Our lives are a, a web of intersections that can produce great value in places we don't even mm-hmm. realize. And you mentioned a word that I was really thinking about, and then you said it, and I was like, that's the word I was thinking about, this idea of, of silos. I'll just speak for myself. When I was in the corporate space, I felt like I had had to silo my business, my work life from my home life. It's like I would have a routine where I would come in and I'd park in the driveway. I take a few deep breaths. I'm basically like cleansing myself of all the work stuff because now it's time to go be husband Joe and dad Joe. And then, oh, when I'm at business, we don't, we're not talking personal life. Sure. There's some water cooler talk, whatever, but. We're here to do business kind of thing. And so then thinking I become an entrepreneur and now how do I maintain those silos? You don't want Mm -hmm. silos. You want to be able to find connection in everything that you do. You talked about intimacy. I tend to refer to it as Mm -hmm. connection just because that's probably something people are more comfortable with. But really what intimacy is, intimacy is being able to be vulnerable and trust that it will move to connection rather than shame or disparagement or awkwardness. Okay, that's intimacy, being able to be vulnerable and trust that it will lead to connection. And when you think about, you talked earlier about managing different teams and, and being an executive, and how well does it work when groups are not connected, when you've got your marketing team who isn't talking to your sales team and your sales team isn't talking to your research and development team and nobody's coordinating those connections. And now you've got big issues. Now that doesn't mean that every day I come home and I share with my wife, all right, honey. So today I had a podcast with Anita and we talked about this and this. And then after that, I sneezed and that like, we're not talking about that. Okay. As far as integrating things. But to be able to share your victories, to have people around you that you can share your victories with, that you can process challenges with, that you can discover opportunities with. This, I think, is at the core of what keeps people from pursuing their great entrepreneurial goals and dreams, is this idea that I will be Mm. alone. And I started mentioning this earlier and I was like, oh, okay, yeah. But it's just, it's come up again. So I think just really emphasizing that 
you're you are not alone. Sometimes when I feel my most alone, I turn to God through prayer. But that's also why meditation is powerful. That's why being open and starting. We started this conversation. You said, all right, Joe, what's the next step? And I said, start conversations. Because guess what? You can call your good friend who has zero interest in your consulting services or who has zero interest in what they're not an entrepreneur, so they don't need your auxiliary service. But you can call them up and say, today has been a tough day. And, or I have this great, I have what I think is a great idea. Can you help me see what I'm not seeing? And your friend will be connected with you and support you simply because you have been open Mm -hmm. with them. But if you hide, if you sit in your corner and say, I have to get my idea Mm. perfect. I have to have my corporate sized business plan developed to the T before I share with anybody what I'm doing. All of those are excuses. Mm -hmm. Because you are afraid that when you are vulnerable and you share what you're doing, that people won't support you. And you know what? Not everybody will. But not everybody needs to. You need a handful of the right people in your corner. And one of the most important ones will be your spouse, will be your immediate family, your children. I had a I won't share that story. We'll save that one for another time. (laughs) But just this idea of we're never alone and we're never on our own unless we choose to isolate. I have teams that I've been a part of in my journey as an entrepreneur. There we go. We'll just say it that way. That I do things for free for them now because I want that connection. Like I've moved on to my own thing, but I love that connection. I said, Hey, I want to maintain these relationships. And so I was thinking, what do I love doing so much as, as part of this team that I'd be willing to do for free? I said, so I want to be doing these coaching calls or these different calls. And I want, you know, be a part of that because I want to stay connected because I love them. And because that gives me strength and power to continue in doing what I'm doing in my movement for family builders. Right. One of the things that we say that's super important is to find community. Right. And that's what we're talking about. It's not only finding the community aspect by sharing in the context of your family, but also when you come from the corporate space and you're used to working on a team, it can seem like initially that you're out on your own. But if you heard what Joe said, he described really finding community around you. You can find community in a bunch of different ways. You can find community by joining groups in your local town. You can find communities that are in lo- online. We have a community in Our Ladies of Successful Corporate Women of Faith who are absolutely only cheerleaders for one another and champions for one another, not competitors to one another. We can all do, we can all say that we do the same thing as consultants, but that doesn't mean that any of us are competitors because we're all bringing our own unique skill set to the market in the way that we see it. And so I just want to encourage everybody today, find your community. It doesn't have to be my community, but there is one available to you if you're a right fit for us. But if not, then go find your community somewhere else. Because what I have found is on the entrepreneurial journey, and Joe and I have talked about this before, is that you can be parts of different groups. And sometimes it's, sometimes it's like seasonal and, or maybe situational. Other times it's a little bit more long term. And you say, Oh, these are my people. No matter what, I'm going to stay correct, connected to them for the rest of my life because. Joe said, these are people that we love, that we know, that we trust, that we have built friendships. It's no longer just a, which frankly, the best communities are not one. It's not based on the transaction one way or the other. It's just that these are my people and I want to be able to hang around. And I'll tell you, you already have people somewhere, right? Whether it's your work people or wherever your kids hang out and those groups of people or where you and your husband like to hang out or go to church or go to dinner, any of those kinds of things, like you're already finding community somewhere. And so find a community of entrepreneurs. Sometimes we speak different languages than those that are not in the entrepreneurial space. And so it is important. I believe it is important to get around other entrepreneurs because sometimes I can't have conversations with Vince, not because I don't want to, but he doesn't always speak the same language or he didn't in the early days. Now he does. But but yeah, we you want to be sure and find people around you that can support your journey and champion you, hold you accountable 
right? When you come from an environment where you have a team and you have somebody else's KPIs, and then all of a sudden you're like, hey, it's all me. Now what do I do? <laughs> you got find somebody. I would really encourage you find somebody to hold you accountable along the way. The best way that happens at my experience at a really high level to reach some big goals is you do that in a paid format, although you don't have to. I just know that when I pay my coach, then I show up differently because I have invested mm. in the relationship so that he can push me forward, come up with different ideas, stretch me out of my comfort zone, hold me accountable. And those that has been some of the best investments I've ever made in my entrepreneurial journey beyond. I love reading books. I love taking courses. I love being educated. I love taking my degree in the past and and using that now today. But there's something really special about doing a, an investment with somebody to be able to go for it. So as Joe mentioned earlier, his organization and his movement now is called Family Builders. And we'll make sure and put a link down in his bio so that you can check that out. And he mentioned earlier, he has a free resource. I'll let him talk about that in just a second. And then as you already know, I have a community of successful corporate women of faith that are building consulting businesses based on their specialized skill set. So come on and join us. If you haven't see checked us out before, go ahead and do that now. You can click on the links that are going to be in the bio down below. So Joe, how about we wrap up? You said that you have an offer for the audience for those that want to just find out more about you. Absolutely. So you can go to forwardwithjoe.com slash messy middle. Okay. So for, forwardwithjoe.com slash messy middle. You go there. So what I'm providing is an opportunity for, it's a 30 day trial for $1. You're going to be able to get in, get started on becoming intentional with how they build their family how building a family with purpose and intention that is founded on values that will protect you and guide you through the chaos that is going on through society. And no matter what changes or direction society goes, you want to have a family that's founded on truth and on values that are important to you. So this is, it's 30 days, you can get in. It focuses on setting up that vision, has tools and resources. If you have teenagers, there's some resources in there. There's, if you've got young kids, there's a storybook for young vision builders. That's part of that. So all kinds of resources available to you. And I think it'd be particularly important right now because it's going to help you to translate what you know. You, you'll get firsthand experience about, Hey, I know about business visions. I know about corporate visions. How do I translate that to my mm -hmm. family? And as you practice that, you'll pick up speed and make your transition easier and exactly what it is that you want for you and your family. Mm -hmm. I love that. Thank you so much, Joe, for being with us today. We so appreciate everything about you. Thank you for having me. I love these conversations. You're welcome. Okay, we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today on the Messy Middle Podcast. We hope this episode has inspired, encouraged, and equipped you to navigate the challenges of building a profitable business while balancing the demands of your work life, your faith, and motherhood. We would love to hear from you. Connect with us on LinkedIn, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, or at our website, therippleeffect.net to share your thoughts, questions, or topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. You can also find us at anitaanello.com. Until then, be well and know that we are cheering you on.